visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao, and up next this hour, I have Ear to the Ground with Andrew Ryan and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes with Carson Wong. But first off, we're going to start off as always with a little bit of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is December 25th. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Leslie Liao. Joining me today is Mr. Jake Chen. Hello. And Miss Paula Chow. Hello. What are we going to talk about? Well, it's almost the New Year's, so Taipei 101 is a very popular attraction in Taipei. Just how popular? Well, we got some hotel statistics for you. Next up, we like to think of Taiwan as a very convenient place. There's a lot of convenience stores, and when we think of convenience in America or, you know, stores that are very prominent, we have Starbucks. But is Starbucks the Starbucks of Taiwan? We'll find out a little bit. Next, we have some statistics on blood donations, uh, a lottery winner, and the latest opinion on fruit. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. All right, so let's talk about Taipei 101, and um, because the fireworks are coming, and they're a very big draw, and it's obviously a very tall skyscraper you can see all over the city, so let's see just how popular it is. What's going on? Well, it is very popular. Taipei 101 is going to have a fireworks display um, on New Year's Eve, and the uh, and uh, around the, uh, near uh, Taipei 101, near the uh, skyscraper, there are at least three five-star hotels, and and hotel bookings are really um, are almost full. Ninety percent are full. That's because people want to you know book a room or book a, um, a a place at a restaurant just to see the beautiful fireworks. Yeah. And then um, this year, um, Taipei 101 will feature um, fireworks that last five minutes, three hundred seconds. And it will feature. Um, there is a thing which is called the Taiwan, um, the li- the light of hope. The light of hope. The light of hope. Yes. I mean to make money. Um, one, um, you know, five star hotel actually um, d- divides um, um, d- uh, d- divides New Year's Eve into two sections. The first section is a New Year's Eve dinner, and the second one is countdown party. So you have to make a reservation. You have to decide which one do you, you know you want. You want to. Re- um, uh, reserve for a New Year's Eve dinner or a countdown party. Can't go to both. I think you can, but you have to pay. You have to have. <laughs> you have a, to pay extra. A, you know, extra. You Those have to things have a get deep pocket. Really, really expensive, especially around oh, yeah. there. Can you imagine if you book the hotel though, and you're not, you're in a room that's not facing the Taipei One Hundred One? Yeah, that'd be that'd be a bummer. Like, that'd be <laughs> you know what a way to start a year, right? Yeah. So what's what's going on? Um, all of them are, but 90%, I'd expect all of them to be out by now. Dinner, between dinner and the countdown party, I think the countdown party is always the big the big draw, right? You yeah. always got to ring in the new year. Who knows? Uh, so there's three of them. I can think of three of them, except I think it's always nice to get a hotel down there, definitely, because if you're down by the Taipei 101 area, I've been there once and I never want to do it ever again. So crowded. There's too many people. Right. They get into fights, and you really have to like commit to where you're sitting. It's really I've never been in a situation where I really literally couldn't move because there was just so many people. 
and you couldn't squeeze through. I, I totally agree. Uh, the only time that I got anywhere close physically to the Taipei 101 uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to a friend's of a friend's uh, rooftop, mm. which was located very close to the tower, and I, you know, to take photos. And when I looked down, it was literally minutes after the fireworks concluded. People were literally to down uh, down to. The, I had a bird's eye view of the street, you know, downstairs. Oh, it was, yeah. People were literally crowded like ants, mm-hmm. and they didn't move for twenty minutes. Yeah, like I'm talking about tenth of thousands of people downstairs. I'm thinking, well, this is <laughs> going to be a problem, you know. Um. Yeah, and. The crazy thing is the uh, the subway system is always just jam packed this time of year. I think yeah. they're working for forty two hours straight this upcoming New Year's this upcoming yeah. New Year's, which is insane to me because that's you know uh, you have to clear out that Taipei one hundred and one area, mm. and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people just to get them back home. Oh yeah, uh, the, the the streets are crowded. It's just crazy. Well, we've been over this, but Paula, what do you plan on doing for New Year's? Uh, nothing really special, but I can see the fireworks from where I live. I need to go, you know, go up in the mountains. Oh. Yeah, I, I can see the fireworks. That's, That's nice. It's kind of far. Yeah. Well, I can see fireworks from my house, but the thing is, the, the way the wind blows, the smoke always blows towards my house. So, like, oh. you see it for 15, 20 seconds, and then it's, just it's a, all smoke. Enough. Okay. You're just like, oh, okay. Well, that's a little bit of New Year's for you. If you plan on coming to Taipei, well, you might as well get started early. All right, guys, so I have a question for you. Are you big coffee drinkers? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. Uh, I usually drink at least, uh, you know, a cup of coffee Mm. early in the morning. Every Every day. day. That's my first thing, too. I wake up, I need my cup of coffee. You don't, Jake? I I have a reason not to, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I naturally don't drink coffee, and I intentionally keep it that way because when I do need to stay awake, when I'm sleep-deprived, coffee coffee still works. Yeah. You know, I get the impression that people who drink coffee often, they develop a a tolerance, which Mm -hmm. I don't yet have, so. I think, I don't know, yeah, I think it's just been become such a ritual for me. I just, I don't. Uh, Do you have a favorite brand of coffee no i'm not that classy i'm yeah. a grab an instant coffee however i can kind of guy all right well um in taiwan there are starbucks and like i said starbucks is really likened in in america to the 7-elevens here you know they say there's one on every corner and sometimes you can see um more than one starbucks on one street and uh that's not the case in Taiwan, actually. Uh, Starbucks is not the king of coffee anymore. And by king of coffee, I mean they don't have the most branches in Taiwan. We have a local chain called Luisa Coffee, which just surpassed Starbucks in the number of stores there are. 489 compared to Starbucks's 480. And the very interesting thing here was that this was started as a uh, as a lone kind of store back in i think 2010 and then it just started it it went crazy in 2012 where well they, just in nine years in nine years they in, spread, wow yeah i'm sorry so in 2006 it, it was founded by in 2006 as a small store six years later it became a franchise hmm. and uh yeah man quick math seven years later it's the biggest coffee chain in taiwan jeez and uh talk about aggressive growth they're saying uh the founder huang huang mingxian says he plans to reach 540 stores by 2020 and that's next year that's yeah. we're, we're coming in a few days it's interesting to me because taiwanese never struck me as big coffee drinkers it was always more like tea yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I tend to, I mean I'm not a coffee guy, so you know I I guess I gotta leave the questions to you too. I struggle to well I don't understand how it gets to grow so fast because I've been to both Starbucks mm-hmm. and Louisa locally. Louisa strike me compared to Starbucks as this very sort of down to earth place. Yes. You know, it's a place where you can grab your friends and family to go. It's not a place where you, you know, open up a crack open a trendy laptop and do your thing. Yeah. Is that the, the draw for the locals? You know, they are getting more and more classy. There's one down the okay. street by my house called Louisa Reserve. And they are definitely trying to do the Starbucks vibe. Very fancy. And they're like, oh, these are, you know, naturally sourced coffee beans. And there's uh-huh. a lot of big tables and people are doing work around there. But I, the most of the Louisas I know, they're kind of small stalls. Yeah. Yeah. P- Paula, do you have a favorite coffee brand? Why? Guess Starbucks. I've never been to Louisa. Mm-hmm. Right. Starbucks. They do the people go crazy here. They do the buy one get one free. I've seen people. Oh yeah. Go crazy. They're just like between the hours of eleven a.m. and one thirty p.m. Starbucks is buy one get one free, and then <laughs> I've seen people. That's where the lineup happened. You know, try and get off on their lunch breaks early just to go get an extra <laughs> coffee, or just you know risk coming back late. It's 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 kind of insane, and especially if you factor into the fact that both of the biggest uh, convenience store chains do do coffee here as well. Yeah. So there's only so much coffee to go around, and it's I don't advise people drinking it in excess. Well, uh, it looks like Taiwan has become a coffee drinking country. We have become a coffee drinking country. Well, coffee is often known as a stimulant and the kind to really get your blood going, and we have a few new statistics on blood donations, especially pertaining to this time of the year. Paula, what's going on? Right. Uh, the Taiwan Blood Services Foundation held a press conference um, last week calling the public to donate blood. Um, they held a press conference last week is because usually the month before the Lunar New Year holiday, um, there is a lack of blood. And the associate, uh, the foundation attributed um, attributed that uh, to three reasons. The first reason uh, is because, um, you know, weather is kind of cold before and during the Lunar New Year holiday. So a lot of people, especially senior citizens who have um, heart problems or cardiovascular disease, usually they, you know, there there are some problems. Mm. So people go to the hospital, and so hospitals um, they need blood. And the Demand second for blood goes up. right. Oh, the God. second reason is kind of um, funny and interesting because a lot of people they actually perform a surgery before the Lunar New Year holiday so that they can have enjoy their holiday at home. Mm. Oh, so that's I the second reason. So what they what they're gonna get extra time off or not extra time off if if a surgery if a surgery oh, is not do... an urgent right, well, right you can pick oh. a time and so they usually do before the Lunar New Year holiday okay so I guess you want to go into the holiday relatively healthy and enjoy yourself yes mm-hmm. right yeah. and the third reason is because a lot um you know during the lunar uh during the Lunar New Year holiday uh, or before the holiday. Um, schools are having it. Um, they have a winter vacation, so students all went home. So, so they have trouble finding enough people to donate blood. Yeah, the uh, the blood donation trucks really make the rounds at the students uh, at the schools, at least. Um, I remember when I was going to school here, there they had uh, annual blood drives. Mm. And um, actually, the interesting thing when I, is when I was doing my national service uh, in Taiwan is that if you donate blood, you actually 
Um, you can actually get time off like your national service. Really? Yeah, for like oh. every pint you, every couple pints you give, you get like four hours off. Oh. Of oh. your two year service, so it's just it was that's interesting. A nice way to uh, to just restore the blood. Like you had people going around the truck, just trying to give blood, and that's actually a really really smart way to do it. Um, but guess which city um, needs blood the most in oh. Taiwan? Which city? I'd say Taipei City. It's yes, it's <laughs> Taipei followed by Taichung, and then and then Xinzhou. Is know, it because we're so crowded and a lot of accidents happen? I don't know if that's the reason, but anyway, that's you know what the um, foundation says. And I also have a story about a blood donor who has donated blood. 1,400 times over the past 35 years. That's a lot of blood. It's Whoa. a lot of blood. He's 61 years old, and then he said that he has donated blood because he wants to help people. But that's um, one reason is because he was actually, um, he said he grew up in the hospital. It's because his father, his grandfather is a doctor. So he visited, um, you know, the grandfather's working place a, a lot. So he has seen a lot of things, you know, happen in the hospital, and he and he simply wants to, to help people. But one thousand and four hundred times. I just did a quick math. It's forty times a year. That's a lot. That's a right. lot. Yes. Wow. Holy so, smokes! So like one donation, like like close to every week. Gee. Like a week and a half. I didn't realize you can give blood that often. That frequently. Yeah. Well, he must be pretty healthy. Yes. He's got to be. Right. Yeah, he's still around. So I mean. And they won't let you have. Um, they won't let you donate blood if you have like a cold, yes, or yes, if you're yes. on medicine. Mm-hmm. I remember. So if this guy's, he's just never getting colds or he's never taking medicine, which is you know pretty impressive when you consider the fact that your your immune system drops after you give blood. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's what, still going, man. What a guy! What a guy! What a guy! All right. You said, Jake, there was a guy who won big money, big, big money. Uh, just how big are we talking here? Yeah, we are looking at uh, some of the record here. This guy won, uh, won 770 million New Taiwan dollars, which is roughly 28. Oh, wait, sorry, uh, which is roughly, let me do the math, 26 million U.S. dollars. That's a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. So you know the uh, the uh, the head of the lottery, one of the lottery companies, uh, um, you know, came out and, and made the announcement because it was a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the the gentleman he didn't reveal the identity of the gentleman for, mm. for, for I guess safety reasons. Um, is in his fifties and he's been buying lottery tickets for the last ten years. Um, but the particular ticket that he bought that actually landed him the the huge price mm-hmm. was uh, fifty new Taiwan dollars, which is a uh, Less than two dollars U.S. So talking about return on investment. Yeah, you know? I mean, if you've been doing this for ten years, I'd love to see how much money. I mean, there's no way he sank seven hundred seventy million worth of money worth of dollars into yeah. lottery tickets. But it's it it would be interesting to see. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I I have friends who who do this on a regular basis, and the, the most they win here and there is like five hundred mm-hmm. New Taiwan dollars, like seventeen dollars US. Yeah. yeah, they do they do a lot of scratch cards, and that always gets me. They have the uh, the Lunar New Year scratch cards around here. Yeah, and those that. are like super lucky, super like big, and they're they're all like gold and red, and you're like, oh, that looks kind of nice. Yeah, so that's how they get you. But seven hundred seventy, like I get it. Like you can't reveal the identity otherwise. Right. 
I, I bet you the process of the guy actually, you know, going to the lottery company and claim the prize is all, you know, very uh, uh, secretive. Did they say how long after? Like, when was the last time the last person won? Because I know these things build up, and that's why they get to such lucrative amounts. Yeah, because like uh, every, I think every year, I think every few months, there's a huge prize, and if that doesn't get claimed, you know, mm. it, it sort of it goes to the, it adds up to the next uh, yeah. whoever wins. Um, they didn't say who was the last one that won anywhere close to that, but the guy said this is you know the biggest they've seen in many years. Right. So yeah. Well, to you, random fifty-year-old, I hope you spend your money wisely. So you know, Taiwan is known as the kingdom of fruit, and as such, we like to indulge in delicious sugary tree fruits. But um, there's come they come with pros and cons, and a new dietitian is telling us, or a dietitian is telling us uh, some new warnings and new what's going on. Right. Uh, um, I think you hit uh, the problem on the on the head, which is the verb you use, indulge. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, taking anything in moderation, especially fruit, which is generally considered a healthy uh, food, yeah, is not a problem. Uh, but because fruit, especially those made in Taiwan, many of them have been sort of selected and somewhat genetically modified over the years that mm. they're, they're extra sweet. Uh, I'm sure when you compare apples and other fruits here than mm. apples from, you know, other places, you know, things are very, very uh, sweet here. So the kind of uh, uh, sugar that you consume from fruits is fructose. And uh, that is a major factor if you consume in excess that cause fatty liver disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the dietitian said uh, fruits, especially those, uh, you know, produced locally here in Taiwan, uh, you really shouldn't be indulging in them. You know, have them in moderation, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's something that people need to keep in mind of. Uh, because in the summertime, he said, um, a lot of people really just, you know, uh, take fruits as breakfast or snacks. You know, they 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 eat a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, something to keep in mind of. All right. So keep in mind that you know, just because it's a fruit doesn't mean it's necessarily very healthy or very good for you. But in uh, moderation is the key, right? Well, yep. that's about all the time we have for here in Taiwan today. Thank you so much for joining us. And once again, Merry Christmas. I've been Leslie Liao. I'm Jake Chen. And then Paula Chow. Once again, I have for you coming up, Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. Do not go away.
What is the sound of the color red? Well, wait a minute. Colors don't have sounds, you say? Well, of course they don't. But if they did, what would the sound of red be? I asked people in Taipei, and this is what they said. Firecrackers. Places like temples. Chinese New Year. Mm, I think about patience. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I'm searching for the sound of red. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵, an ear to the ground. So how am I going to find Chinese New Year sounds like these in April? I begin by heading to the busiest, most festive part of all of Taipei, a district built up around a historic red building. This is Ximending, the center of Taipei's youth culture. It's not Chinese New Year, but with all the crowds and excitement, it might as well be. What we're looking for is an old red building that I hear has watched the crowds ebb and flow for more than a century. So I'm going to ask somebody and see if they can help me out here. A woman points me in the direction of this magnificent eight-sided marketplace that was built in 1908 when Taiwan was a colony of Japan. Like many colonial buildings in Taipei, including the presidential office building, it's made from red bricks, and that's how it got its name, the Red House. Today it's surrounded by busy shops and sounds, and it's hard to imagine that it once stood alone. Back then there were no people, so when Japanese came, they want to make this place prosperous. That's Rian Chen from the Red House. He tells me there's an interesting reason why they chose to build it in the shape of an octagon. In Chinese, we have a phrase, yunji. That means a shop or a market gathering people from all the directions. All eight directions, right? All eight directions, yes. (laughs) And the crowds did come. But later in the 1950s, after the Japanese had left, the market was repurposed as a theater. By the 80s, it fell into disuse, and after a fire swept through an adjacent building, the area fell silent. Today, the south square of the Red House is alive again with sound. After renovations in 2007, Taipei's gay community filled the square with open-air cafes, bars, and restaurants. You could say in Chinese, they've helped make the Red House red again. You see, in Chinese, the word for red, hong, also means popular. As I leave the square, I'm still hoping to find some drums and gongs. I need to find a temple. A shop owner points me in the direction of a narrow temple wedged between storefronts. And as I step through the front doors, I discover a large open courtyard full of red lanterns, red candles, and huge urns of smoking red incense. I've come to just the right place. That's Mr. Wu reading the name of the temple which is dedicated to Mazu, the Queen of Heaven. I can hear the sound of the red wooden divination blocks clattering to the ground. But where are all the gongs and drums? Mr. Wu tells me that if I'm looking for gongs and drums, I have to come back for a procession held on Mazu's birthday, the 23rd day of the third month. I look at the calendar. It's April. I've missed it by almost a month. 
Before I go, Mr. Wu gives me a lucky red packet that's a symbol of protection. He brings me to an urn full of incense and shows me how to swirl the packet three times in the smoke before I place it in my pocket. A couple days later, I'm wandering around my neighborhood trying to figure out how I'm going to find some festive red-colored sounds when all of a sudden I hear something in the distance. I've stumbled across some sort of temple festival. (laughs) What? How's that possible? He's telling me that it's the Mazu procession and that today is the 23rd day of the third month. And then I get it. That's the date on the lunar calendar. So I'd set out in Taipei searching for the sound of red, and now as I see an approaching statue of Mazu all decked in red, I realize that she's brought them to me. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong in Taipei and on today's show we'll be listening to music performed by the National Chinese Orchestra Taiwan or NCO. NCO brings together some of the finest talent in the Chinese music community in Taiwan and the first piece is Lion Dance. The Lion Dance is a form of traditional folk art performed on festive occasions, for example, during the Lunar New Year's holidays. The lion typically employs two individuals operating in a choreographed dance, one at the lion head, the other at its tail.
long piece, a 15-minute piece of music, the Lion Dance, which is a form of traditional folk art performed on festive occasions in Taiwan and throughout the Chinese community. This piece is divided into six parts according to the scenes of traditional religious ceremony in Taiwan. The first one is Pupil Ling. East Asians believe that the eyes are the window to the soul. A master puppet maker will not draw on the pupil of a puppet until the final completion of this is symbolic as endowing the puppet with a soul. The traditional line dance always starts with just such as pupiling event, representing now that the lion is alive with the soul. The second part is lion walking. After the eye is completed, the lion is likened to be awakening from a comfortable slumber. It stretches, scratches its claws, and then is ready to perform. The third one is lion toying. Within the lion dance, there is a role of the soul, the smiling Buddha, and it is played by one person whose role is to either tease or command the lion. The fourth part is welcoming the divine. In traditional Taiwanese religious carnivals, various depictions of gods are paraded down the streets, accompanied by wind and percussion instruments, so as to bless the people with peace and prosperity. The fifth part is firecrackers. No festivity would be complete without firecrackers. In Taiwan, elaborate displays of firecrackers are cast so as to pray for peace by frightening away evil spirits. And in some parts of Taiwan now, firecrackers are not allowed. The sixth part is ember. After the firecrackers finish, smoke engulfs the scene in a foggy mist to which the parade dissolves away into. Thank you. 
Taiwan International. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we feature music performed by NCO or National Chinese Orchestra Taiwan. In recent years, the NCO has strived to use traditional music to recount the best stories Taiwan has to offer, selecting local material and talent that can connect Taiwan with the rest of the world through music. The conductor is Yan Hui Chang, who was conferred with the title of National Class Conductor at the first professional appraisal in China in 1987. And this next piece is Electronic Music by the Third Prince. And this music defines modern elements of creation in Taiwan with a whole new vision. Based on the images of local traditional Temple fairs in Taiwan, the work collects the temples of the Taiwanese electronic dance music from the Taiwanese opera, Nanguan, Beiguan, and puppet shows, and other traditional elements to compose modern music rich with elements of Taiwan. Thank you. 
electronic music by the Third Prince performed at the 2009 World Games held in southern Taiwan Kaohsiung, it grabbed the attention at home and abroad. According to sources I quoted from Taiwan Today, the innovative performance style is thought to have been created by a group of San Taizi or Third Prince believers associated with Taotian Temple in Yunlin County's Beigang Township in central Taiwan. The main deity of the temple, which was built in 1700, is the widely beloved goddess Matsu or Queen of Heaven. Hopefully you have enjoyed listening to music with stories from Taiwan performed by NCO or National Chinese Orchestra Taiwan. Thank you for listening for your comments and suggestions. Please write to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. And our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. And I'm Carlson Wong once again. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. 
in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.